Ladies and gentlemen, it's 2001 and a huge world-changing event is about to turn the course of history. The new millennium will start with a completely different set of values. And those values are informed by illegal street racing, Los Angeles, Californian style, cool dudes and dudettes. I'm talking, of course, about the seminal event of 2000. I think I, I think I can say with authority that nothing else happened in 2001 that was as important as the summer release of The Fast and the Furious. This is Revan On, the Raven On subsection podcast analytical thingy devoted now exclusively here in 2023 to the Fast and the Furious franchise. I'm Natalie Bohensky, and with me as always is a man who's finally about to show me the value of living life one quarter mile at a time. It's Stuart Light. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, uh, it's worth pointing out that this movie came out in June uh, 2001, at least in the United States. So this was one of the one of the last films from a more innocent time, and it definitely feels that way. Stu, I want you to set the scene. What were you doing June 2001? June 2001, I was at university, right. um, and I was working at a hardware store. You'd Generally, say the hardware you know, store, or, or is it the kind of place where I mean, Lois- rather, I mean, it's, it definitely <laughs> is the place where lowest prices are just the beginning. Um, but uh, you know, I feel like if they if they want a name drop, they can they can sponsor the podcast. Um, point so, you know yes we'd love that uh, lowest prices guaranteed um hardware store uh you might have heard of it yeah. um to sponsor the pod look i do a lot of shows that require tools so let's talk about uh, for shows not for let's like, talk you know. contra come on let's talk contra give it, it, it to us give it to us Sp- speaking uh, of illegally obtained goods uh this movie uh fast and the furious <laughs> which is I- uh I bet, and I really need you to fix this in your mind, Natalie, that this movie is about a, 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 seri- a set of illegal street racing gangs who also, like, steal DVD players. Stu, they right? don't steal. No, this is the thing. I wanted to bring up this up with you because I have a bone to pick about how I've been told that this is about DVD players being stolen. Right. This is about TVs with inbuilt VHS players being right. stolen. Okay. Okay. I, okay. A plain as day, you know, opening scene or whatever, and you've got these, like, cool cars with green lights chasing down a truck. The truck is full of Panasonic TVs <laughs> with VHS players included in the set. So, so what, what, you, what you're saying is like like this is it's well not, worth stealing is what you're saying. It's not even DVDs they're stealing. <laughs> the world hadn't even – like blockbusters were still open selling VHS tapes. I coveted one of those TV VHS things because yes. how sensible was that? It had sure. the TV and the VHS. You just put the VHS, it's flashed right up and on like the VHS TV. VHS as a format isn't going anywhere. You don't need any of these cables and weird things with your, to connect the VHS to your TV. It's all in one. It was basically the equivalent of an iPhone in the right. late 90s. Exactly. <laughs> of a smart or a tablet. Yeah. That's how sophisticated it got, Absolutely. is you could just throw that bad boy in the back of the van and you had a TV and VHS capability. 
that's what they were stealing. Sure. And then they mention DVD players and video cameras when the cops are talking. But you're right. This is kind of like low stakes. It's it's fairly low stakes. And I really just need you to, like, like you know, for, for the purposes of discussing this movie, that, that's not going to come into play. But I really need you to remember <laughs> where we started, okay? <laughs> I kept thinking that because I feel like the franchise does seem to go in strange. And oh, my goodness, Natalie. We are in for a journey. But but the, our journey takes uh, it starts with its very first the step. Very first step, so. yeah. Well, in this case, very first foot on the gas. On the on the on the accelerator. On the uh, nos. On the nos. On the (laughs) nos. We we are in the unique position of me being the knowledgeable car guy, uh, who's able to tell you like car terms that this has never happened to me before. Um, Actually, do you know one thing I meant to do, and I haven't done it yet, but I will try to do it for future ones, is I want to get like a capsule review from my brother because my brother is a total car head. My brother has lived his life with these movies as like a constant. He loves them. so I'm sure. He should be doing this podcast instead of me. But Hello to him if he's listening. What I should do is try and get a review from him about every Fast and the Furious film, like just a Simon's capsule review. I think that would be great. Is there particularly good stunts? Are they realistic stunts? Are they actually physically possible? You know, what's going on each each and every movie? So I'll, I'll try and make sure I get that for episode two, see if we can get Simon's capsule review. I know nothing about cars. Well, I was, I was going to ask, like, I mean, like you, I, I, I assumed, but I didn't want to assume like, like that you didn't know anything, but but you 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 aren't a car person. Like you're not, Look, you're I'm not, not a car I'm enthusiast. Not- yeah, my dad loved cars or loves cars. My brother loves cars. So I've always been somewhat around cars. So just, just by osmosis, you must just, you must sort of know generally, yeah. Being a poor person at the moment, a car is a functional item as long as it's healthy and uh, gets me around and is safe to drive and hopefully looks a little bit spunky. You know, my current car is red. I quite like that. You know, it's it's funky. Sure. My only sort of indulgent thing is if I were to win the Powerball or something crazy, hmm. I would buy myself an Aston Martin. Yeah. That's, well, that one would, of the new ones too, like one of the nice ones. Whatever. I'd well, get would, a you, retro. Would, you, would you go retro? Like, I think maybe I'd get one of both, just depending on what the Powerball yeah. situation is, Stu. Are we talking, if we're talking a $5 million, maybe I'll just get myself like a new one. But if we're talking a $20, 30000000 million jackpot, then I don't see why I can't get a garage and... <laughs> Stock a few, <laughs> stock a few in there. You know Absolutely. why not live life a one quarter mile at a time. Um, I think I'd just be too nervous to drive anything so uh, valuable. Uh, not that I think I'm a bad driver, but other people are. <laughs> it's like yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and at least if someone trashes my car, I'm like, oh well, these things happen, which has happened. I got run into uh, years ago now, smashed into. Totally not my fault. They went through a light, didn't see me, and collected my car and I was like oh okay (laughs) that was the whole thing about how I left the car didn't realize that I actually had a bag full of porn dildos and whips and chains in the boot yes and it got uncovered of course by the insurance people and then they sent it all back packed nicely in a box (laughs) (laughs) so someone has had to piece through the wreckage of your car pull out all the dildos and like mail them to you did was they packed them really nicely so we had like I was doing a play at the time if you remember he died with a falafel in his hand by John Mm -hmm. Birmingham I I directed directed that many years ago and we had as part of that there's a bondage scene so I had gone to one of my friends who was quite a porn connoisseur and he'd given me a milk crate full of porn like you'd think that you could just have regular magazines and one or two pawns scattered through no 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 every magazine was a pawn he'd also loaned us some equipment due to some of his more nefarious uh, works 
situations. And then I'd gone around to a few sex shops and gone, hey, do you have any broken, you know, marital aids that we could use? For, um... <laughs> any spoiled stock? <laughs> no, no, it's not returns. I don't think they're allowed no. to do that. But these were like <laughs> broken or non-functioning or something. Fun fact, I only just this week threw out that bag of dicks. They have survived many a cleaning and declutter because I'm weirdly sentimentally attached. And everyone <laughs> thinks I'm sick. And it's like, no, they sit in a bag in a cupboard but they just become too weirdly sticky and gross. So I was like, no, I have to get rid of them. So all of these things were props for a show found in the back of my car. (laughs) And I wanted to call the people and go, hey, just to explain why I had all these weird things. And I went, no, wait, don't do that. Don't take away their story. Don't take away their Christmas story. Yeah, no, no. Let let them 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 tell tell the tale of the tale of the complete sex freak. (laughs) (laughs) I opened up the car and it was just paraphernalia of the most perverted kind and um i, I want to leave i just i just want to point out for listeners who might not know like we're, we're talking like a good 20 or 30 dildos aren't we like we're not talking like three uh, we're talking but, like oh look the one i threw out about eight i think a few of them had broken over the pit but yeah i think i had about 10 originally and there was there was there was like a sizable number of dildos is, yeah. is my point you yeah know. Uh, uh, what you would call a a, a curated collection if you <laughs> You know, this isn't just like, oh, well, someone's got something for personal use. It's like, no, someone here is is either working professionally or they're yeah. seriously, you know, a connoisseur or a, <laughs> a, a cockasseur. Yes. <laughs> anyway, speaking of large phallic devices, um, cars. <laughs> cars. Why now, are we I mean, doing this, Stu, before well, we, we dive in? We, we had started talking about, like, you, we'd established that you're not a car person, but were you familiar, like, what, what was your relationship to this film series sort of back in 2001 and over the years? Like, like it's something just... you've been aware of, like... I feel like my brother would have gone bananas for this, but it just passed me by. Mm. By that point, I was uh, obviously incredibly young. I would have been four or five. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I was actually at uni as well, but I was in my last year of uni and I was about to start my internship at the radio station. So I used to work at uh, the pop music radio stations here in Brisbane, pop and the rock one that are sister stations and they can pay us if they want, you know. The kind of music that the DJs that talk like this. I, I, didn't, mean, I didn't mean to put a, a complete kibosh on, like you know, mentioning any brand name at all. Like, it's fine. We can say we can say the station if you want. Listen, radio stations in this town should be giving us a show, Stu. That, I have true. I have this no sympathy for radio stations in Brisbane that are like there's a talented, homegrown, loving radio pair, right? <laughs> you and I, radio people, and oh no, we got chewed up and spat out by the ridiculousness that is the radio industry. (laughs) So, no, screw everyone in radio. Hire us, pay us money, and we will do an awesome show and get listeners back to, you know, did no, what do you call it? Analog? No, not analog. Like, like. Uh, terrestrial radio terrestrial. terrestrial we will get listeners back with our particular insights and jokes like cocker that's gonna get the young people back so no screw all those you know hey look we're playing the new one by pink i don't care they chewed us all up and spat us out stew they don't deserve a name well, this we're is keeping true. their names from them we're Absolutely. dehumanizing them mm. um so uh <laughs> gee that was a rant and Jonas, <laughs> That was some real venom there. I think we, we, we accidentally touched a nerve there. Let me just put a shout out to my patrons. My patrons, patreon.com slash girlclumsy, they are the people we do this for. They are the legends. They are the people who understand comedy, 
pop culture, insight, critique, review, analysis, cock jokes. That's who we're doing this for, all right? (laughs) Next up, it's the people who listen, love us, contribute in whatever way they can, engage, you know, maybe they're not on Patreon, but that's okay because they're here, they're supporting, and it's, you know, it's a difficult time. Not everyone can do it, and I get it. FM, AM radio people who just want to – this is going on too long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was about to step in and just sort of mention. I'm not going to cut it out, but I'll stop there because I'm not actually bitter, but I just think you and I, Stu, would be radio dynamite and the program yeah. directors who walk around with a copy of Sun Tzu's The Art of War, quoting, you know, <laughs> that is based on an actual thing that happened to me. Uh, yep. <laughs> No, guys, what, what we have to do is they're on their hill and we have to be on our hill and then we have to get their hill. It's all in the art of all my sons. <laughs> it's really important that we get the uh, 9 to 12 slot, you know, really firing to make sure that we capture the mark. Yes. Let's implement these, you know, centuries-old methods of warfare into... Um, <laughs> into ensuring that we get proper cume for the 18 yeah. to 25 demographic. <laughs> That's the term I forgot about, cume. Oh, God. So many shorthand words in radio. Mm. How's the cume? How's the reach? How's the – what's the other word? Anyway. Um, yeah, we, we would be good on radio is what I'm saying. So the point is I was about to do my internship at the radio station. Yes. And I probably would have been too excited by that to even notice this film coming out. If it had been a couple of years earlier, it's possible we would have gone as a family because I could definitely see this as like a family, hey, we're all going to go off and see the ridiculous car movie. And, uh, right, okay. Well, that's that's cool. That, that's cool that your family are in a place that they could probably do that. I don't see why nice. not. We always went to Bond films together, you know, when I was a teenager and stuff. But, uh, no, that would <laughs> definitely would have been more my brother going with his mates to go see The Fast and the Furious. So I would have been like, uh, yeah. Like, I, just, I just don't re- remember having any feelings one way or the other on the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> <laughs> but then over the years, I imagine you've sort of, it's, it's sort of been bubbling along. It has you know, been a curiosity. Yes. That, that's what it is in my, you know how some people who are like, I've never seen a Bond film and they're a bit smug and they're a bit, you know, <laughs> self-satisfied. I don't do that. I'm just like, I've never seen one of those. People seem to really love them. They seem like they're a good time for people and they have lots of fans and my brother loves them and I'm glad people have things they love. That's great. And and then it's like, and now it's got The Rock and now Jason Statham and now <laughs> yes. it's like, it really seems to be spurling out in all sorts of strange and wondrous ways. Yes, um, it is It is astonishing. The franchise, the $6 billion franchise that has been spawned by this deeply <laughs> mediocre car racing movie. That's what I'm most, I'm really pleased and happy we're doing this as a, as a podcast analytical subsection thingy because that's <laughs> what I'm interested to find out. It's fascinating. It's so good. And to do it in like a week in, week out sort of basis as much as we can, you know, like a, a over a limited period of time. Whereas, you know, these movies would have come out a couple of years at a time. So you sort of had time to wait and think and speculate. Whereas we, I'm just going to be watching it as like a bam, bam, bam. What the hell happened? And, and that's going to be really weird for these first few movies because they jump around a lot. And they don't really settle on what they're going to be until like number four. Okay. You know? like, like it's it's very weird. And we'll, we'll get into it with each individual movie, I'm sure. But like with this first one, it's just so weird to think about it as like the progenitor of one of the most successful action movie franchises of all time. When it is actually just a very mediocre remake of Point Break. Okay. <laughs> so, 
to my shame, I think I've seen bits and pieces of Point Break, but I've right. never actually yeah. sat down and watched the whole thing through. But when I first started watching this, I was like, oh, so this is Point Break, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Like, like undercover, undercover cop, cop, criminal, they become best friends. With some sort of, you know, sporty element. Yeah, there's surfing. like gimmick, yeah, yeah. yeah surfing slash gimmick. car racing. Yeah, cool. The thing is, though, I quite enjoyed it as a film. I mean, not to not to. Oh, it is. I mean, like having said that, it's a good time. It's a good. It's a fun watch. It was like, entirely, it's, not, it's not a bad watch. Yeah, it was entirely passable. It was a bit cheesy. It was all the things that I'm kind of like, you know what? That's a fun time at the movies. Like some fun stunts. Definitely questionable things. I've got some, you know, question marks on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can hopefully answer for me. But um, yeah, like just a movie that's. <sighs> You know how sometimes in Hollywood they don't make these kinds of movies anymore? I know we, we were no. – to me it sort of feels like the end of the – we were talking about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves and The Three Musketeers and movies that are kind of advent, just sort of adventure one-offs. <laughs> not trying yes, to say, I, you know, I know exactly what you mean, yes. I'm not trying exactly. to say this is like I would not rate this next to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but very few things do. But just that sort of, hey, go to the movies, see a movie and that's yes. it. It's just a, hey, that was a fun movie. And obviously at the time, nobody knew this was going to become the start of this multi-billion dollar franchise. No. But it just feels like it, that maybe that was the end of the 90s. It was just, hey, we're going to do a fun time at the movies. And it strikes me as a good movie you might have gotten on a videotape, you know, that you would have played. Oh, on yeah, your yeah. I, I, I TV, think... VHS, uh, Definitely, and with the with the early like, like DVDs were just starting to come out, and the DVD of the Fast and the Furious was a hot item in well, um did it have a know, commentary? Young, young men's young men's uh, yeah. and things. Well, that would have would have been about the time when they started getting big TVs as well, like the big yes. um yeah yeah even, exactly yeah the, the flat screens maybe, and the plasmas. Well, I don't even know if it was the plasmas, but you know those big. My parents got one, spent a fortune on this giant TV, but it was still a really thick bastard. But it wasn't like I don't think it, it was. But a it wasn't. CRT. It wasn't a cathode ray. It wasn't a CRT. Exactly. It wasn't yeah. a CRT. But I'm not sure that it was a plasma. I feel like there was some sort of mixed technology in there. No, it was um, probably it was probably an early plasma. But but the thing is, like, the early plasmas were huge. They were these yeah. big, clunky, bloody things. Yeah, but it, it sat. It wasn't like a you know mm. now TV screens are like these lo- lovely thin frames. It it sat on a on a it had a stand kind of thing. Yes. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was massive, but uh, it's huge. a type. It's a type of thing that a street racing gang might steal from the back of a truck. Well, if they could manage to, if they could fit it, if they could fit it in their cars, which only have also, room you, for you, one. You, you famously can't lay them down, so they have to stack them like vertically. Yeah, exactly. It ruins, exactly. The, it ruins the pixels. That's right. <laughs> so um, yeah, so so I think with those early experiments in bigger TVs. The Fast and the Furious would have been like, oh, look at that, and home surround sound and all that stuff with them. I'll, I'll probably use that phrase a lot. <laughs> so yeah, do we want to get into our minute challenge? Let's do our let's do our minute challenges. I mean, um, just just to declare up front, why are we doing this? Obviously, now we do capsule collections here on Raven On. We like looking at pop culture properties and how they're depicted. And, and following them through from start to finish is always fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Going on a bit of a journey, and I understand that this franchise is finishing up soon. Is that correct? Well, I mean, certainly there's the 10th movie in the fr- in the main franchise coming out later this year. So I don't know whether that's the last one, but it's certainly it's certainly the most recent. We'll be able to go and see that at the films, at the movies, at the and pictures. then at the pictures. 
So doing this will allow us to get a really good overview of how it started and how it all went totally crazy. <laughs> There's also an interesting conversation to be had about the blockbusterfication of, of movies, I think. But we'll, we'll, get oh, to, that's, we'll get to that. That's proper film critique, Stu. Well, I mean, I did just make up the word blockbusterfication, so... Hey, copyright it. I think that's... Trademark copyright. I read a really good article the other day, uh, I think it was The Atlantic or something, called The the Enshittification of Twitter. Yes, yes, I, I read the same one, I Did think. you see that one? Yes. Oh, it was really, really good. It just talks about the life cycles of yeah. essentially social media apps, but also like Amazon and just a lot of internet products that yeah. start as like, hey, users are great. We're going to do all these things for you. And then the second process is, huh, we could use user data to sell to businesses. And then the end thing is we have no use for you. We're, we're uh, going to squeeze everyone, everyone for money. Squeezing everyone, everyone for cash. Yeah. And, and we're going to bleed this thing dry and, and leave it sitting, twitching in a ditch somewhere and we don't care. Yeah. And that's the thing it, that happens to everything. Nowadays. It is exactly right. It is exactly right. Anyway. With that cheering um, thought in mind. <laughs> A minute challenge. (laughs) Now, did this being your first time through these movies and and this being our first installment, do you want to go first with your minute challenge? All right. I'll be brave. I'm looking forward to this so much, Natalie. Let's do this. (laughs) Okay. All right. The first thing on my list, Stu, is this movie is a playlist with tits. (laughs) Look, a, a very fair assessment of this film. Which I should point out, I meant to mention earlier, that this film currently sits at about 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, which feels about right to me. I see. Um, I thought it would have had a bit more just from the, you know, the tragic fans. No, no. I mean, like, like the tragic fans really go crazy for the later films in the franchise, but this one's very much just, it is what it is. It is, yeah. it is what it is. It's a humble beginning. A humble beginning, exactly. It's just, I don't think any woman in this movie wears a bra. It's just, <laughs> it is just chock full of, of women in very small, just that like late nineties, early two thousands. Yes. Tiny tank tops. It, slightly... is, it is very much a, a time capsule of that particular era's fashion. Yeah. And just sweaty was the other thing that I wrote down. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. I, Everyone's... I, I, interesting you say that. The thing is, is that I, I sort of was like, wow, everyone is sweaty, but then it was kind of movie appropriate because they're in California, they're hanging around cars all the time, sure. they're racing, there's dirt and fume and oil and stickiness, and it, but everyone just looks like they're covered in a film of grease, mm. um, yes. which again, movie appropriate, but it did make me feel like I needed a shower after I watched yeah. it. No, absolutely. This is a very sweaty movie, physically and in its script and, and acting. Uh, you know, it's, it's a sweaty movie from top to bottom. But yes, in, in terms of the music, it's just sort of this like, this hit and then this kind of pounding club music. And then this it has of- such, a, such a, a hyper-specific 2001 playlist. I love yeah. it. And then Ja Rule, is it? Ja Rule sings the theme song, like Will Smith style, sings the theme song and then also has a minor role in the film as as a racer. Yeah, I didn't clock him as a racer. I guess I just don't know Ja Rule well enough. He's the the man who uh, gets offered a threesome if he wins the race and then loses the race and screams out, No! (laughs) He screams out, Monica! (laughs) And I was like, was Monica the one who was his girlfriend already? I'm pretty or sure, yes. I'm, was yeah, Monica I the one who so. was threesome? The movie doesn't specify. Look, at least it was a proud moment for feminism when she was like, no, sure. you lost the race. I'm not sleeping with you. 
Yes, feminism. So yeah, so I just I just found the aesthetics of the film very. It somehow got across the whole. We're in a hot, sweaty, dirty underground. Well, the whole the whole movie from top to bottom is very two thousand and one with everything that entails. In, yeah. In a, in music. Yeah, the color in, palette. In, it's it's that in gender sort of dynamics, like you know. Yeah, the whole it's that thing. kind of weirdly mustardy yellow color palette over yes. everything. <laughs> everything just looks a bit warm and a bit because yeah. they're in LA. They're in LA, man. They're in LA. So, oh yeah, Brian. Brian. Brian, yes. Brian. Paul Walker, Brian. I think I realised that, um, and of course Paul Walker has left this world. Uh, it certainly sadly. has, yes. And I, um, I, it was in a car. He was in a car accident. Uh, it was, although it wasn't on set. It, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this uh, when we get to number seven. But um, yes, he, he, he died in a, a car accident, but it was offset. It was just like, you know, he was... But um, I mean, to be to be known for a car franchise, I'm sure, exactly, crazy it is, car it is stunt. a strangely ironic death, yes, and dying in a in a car accident because I was reading up and it seemed to be like basically they were hooning, seemed to mm. be they hooning. were basically doing exactly what they They're were doing, doing in films. this movie, yeah like, yeah, like he was he was having a bit of an impromptu race and lost control of his car. I am genuinely surprised he was not a bigger star than he was, if that makes sense. I feel he like is- they tried to make him happen. Like, yeah, like he it's is so, trying. He's so good looking. He's extremely good looking. He's astonishingly good looking with the bluest eyes yeah. you've ever seen in your life. My wife, who was watching the um the movie with me because she loves these movies as well, which is great, was looking at him and she was like, I don't remember his eyes being this blue. It's insane. It's like a special mm. effect. Yeah. It's Daniel Craig levels of blue. Yes, yes, very much so. And um when he opened his mouth, I realized I'd never heard him speak before. He sounded just like Keanu Reeves. There is a very Keanu quality about him in this movie. It is uncanny, and it's not just because you know, the Point Break reference, I, I literally heard him speak before I saw his face, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and I went, that's Keanu Reeves. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> if you so were to play me. Found a different, they found a, a blonde Keanu Reeves, basically. Exactly. And it, it just made me think, oh, my goodness, that's um why they cast him, because it's not a direct Keanu copy, but it's a Keanu blonde, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly right. He's probably not the most naturally gifted actor, but in terms no. of movie stardom, you don't necessarily need that. And he's got a bit of charisma and screen presence and he's incredibly good looking. I'm just surprised he never became, you know, I was looking at his career and he did other movies and things like that, but he, this seemed to be his main big franchise. And I read that he got offered the role of Superman in Superman Returns, the mm. Brian Singer one, and turned it down because of some reason or he didn't. Oh, the Superman curse, the so-called Superman curse. <laughs> and I was thinking, going, I can kind of see that. I know it would have been weird to have a blonde Superman in the same way that it was kind of weird to have a blonde James Bond. But I also can kind of see it. the blue eyes, the all-American square jaw. You know, I, I, mean, I can kind of see that. Would have, they probably would have darkened up his hair for Superman. Like they would have – I don't think he would have been a blonde Superman. But, but – but yeah, you're right. Like, like just, just that. But, but having said that, like, I don't think he, he doesn't feel like a Superman to me, if that makes sense. I feel like it's weird that he got offered that because he doesn't feel like Superman to me. But anyway, mm. that's that's just me. Well, the next thing on my list was uh, surprisingly a few tattoos for such an illegal streetcar racing scene. <laughs> and, and surprisingly few what, what we derogatorily call uh, tramp stamps. Yeah. Um, that, that's sort of a, a tattoo of the lower back. I feel like I want to keep a kind of a, a tracking score of like a rating for tattoos because I have a funny feeling because I think 
tattoos weren't that big in the 90s and early 2000s. I think they've really come into their own. They, they sort of were, but, but very specifically lower back tattoos for women and big tribal tattoos on the upper arm for, for dudes. I really think that um, even tattoos... If you, even if you were lily white. Oh, yeah. I think that tattoos kind of came in, they got a real bump with social media. Yes. Because when you could show off your tattoos... Oh, sure, and, yeah. you know, put them on Instagram and show off getting them and the pain and also those tattoo reality shows that they started getting. Like, I think that's what sort of boosted a lot of people getting tattoos that may otherwise not have. Definitely. Like in the past, people just not sort of being aware that they exist. So I just think there are much, you know, many more options of tattoos, as you say, beyond the tramp stamp and the tribal. Yes. Um, but then the, the so many options being out there. So I'm interested to kind of keep a record because I know you're going to get blokes like The Rock and Jason Statham, like these guys are tattoos. Oh, yes. <laughs> so tattoo count. Can we make that a regular sex Let, let's, let's keep it. Let's keep it up. That sounds great. I wrote the bad guy from Die Another Day. Is it? Rick Yoon. Oh, right. Yes, 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 of course. Yeah, he's Johnny Tran. Yeah, he's Johnny Tran. I, I didn't put that together, but yes, he, uh, absolutely. Yeah, he's, um. oh gosh, I've forgotten his name, but he's the one who gets the diamonds in his yeah, face. In he's, the, he's a diamond face guy. Diamond face guy from Die Another Day. He doesn't say much. He's just, you know, a killing machine, assassin kind of guy. So he's a, a Vietnamese kind of gang leader in this. In Die Another Day, he was North Korean. Um, <laughs> yes. I suspect with a name like Yune, he might be, Korean, maybe? South Korean? Uh, possibly. <laughs> Don't know. But yes. Uh, so he's kind of the evil gang guy. Although, is he? I mean, like, it's sort of, it's it's weird. Like, like he starts the film as, like, a, a genuine threat, and then it turns out he's not. He's not like, robbing, but he is committing, thing. but he is blowing up cars and then murdering people with ro- shotguns yeah. in the this is the, this is the thing, exactly. So the, the cops arrest him and then immediately let him go because it's like, well, he's not the one who's been stealing these DVD players. He has a huge amount of DVD players, all acquired legally. It's, it's ridiculous. I wrote, Michelle Rodriguez has yes. no discernible character or personality in this film. No, no. She just is getting around with it. what looks like a, I don't know, maybe a stomach cramp face. Yeah. Like she's got a permanent stomach cramp. She just seems pissed off all the time. <laughs> the only time she seems to be happy is like getting hot and tot with uh, Vin Diesel, which, mm. okay, sure, fair enough. Girl's got to have a dream. But um, <laughs> I don't understand. She seemed to be jealous and bitter about everybody who was taking her attention away from Vin Diesel's attention away from her. Don't She's really definitely like, like very unfocused as a character in this movie. I'd say underwritten, underwritten. by men. Yes, yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Mostly there as eye candy. Yeah. Um, but it's so weird because, like, again, it's that thing where you have this, this phenomenon of escalation where, like, honestly, the eye candy that's available in this movie just seems very, very tame to me, given that I know what's coming. Like, oh, like right. you know, the various uh, smorgasbords we are... Um, <laughs> subjected to in, in future movies the high there's, quality there's definitely like, it feels almost like respectful um really <laughs> it's just very very strange it's a very strange phenomenon going back to this movie and being like oh yeah everyone's basically like fully clothed they're just sort of pretty like yeah, it's fine and they're all kids they're because all yeah the guy who's dom sorry i should be introducing the characters by their names vin diesel is Dom. Dominic Toretto. Dominic Toretto. So he's got a friend called Vince who's kind of a slightly drunk school friend. Who's just, I mean, just spends the movie acting like a complete dead shit to every single person. Yeah, yeah. 
and then is almost killed near the end. And he is revealed during Brian's calling the cops for help. And I'm sure we'll talk about his big reveal as a cop, but he's like, (laughs) I got a victim, 24 years of age. And I went, no. Yeah, no, what the hell? That guy's like 33 at least. All of these actors are in their 30s playing people in their 20s. But, you know, they do kind of look like you're sort of thinking all of these, you know, like, hey, I'm rumbling in some, you got too large for a street fight, a street race (laughs) and all this kind of cool talk. And I'm like, you guys are like 23. Like, what the hell are you? Who's this cool at 23? (laughs) (laughs) I just. There is is an adorable moment when they have a cookout, which again, like, Look out for the cookouts, Natalie. They're, they're, they're going to be thick and fast as we as we go through the series. Look out for the um, cookout. Okay. Look for the cookout. But like afterwards, they all sit down and have a movie night. These are like hardcore street racers who are like also like professional car, like truck thieves. But they're all sitting down like having like, you know, popcorn and watching a movie. It just feels very domestic. <laughs> I wish I'd taken notice of what movie they were watching. It wouldn't have been great if it was some sort of like sweet 1950s kind of, it's a wonderful <laughs> life. Or I don't know. Like something really kind of tame and adorable or like they were watching the Golden Girls, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be great. That would be wonderful actually. Just to change it up a bit. But um, yeah, so all these all these kind of like swaggering, you know, like, hey, we're going to race some street racing. Ooh. Um, and, and something too, like, like we, we might be able to talk about this like in a little bit maybe, but I, I just, it, it's so strange or not, not strange, but, but refreshing in many ways to watch a movie like this that is completely like non-ironic. This is a fun action movie and it knows that it's a mm. fun action movie. It's not trying to be anything else. But if this movie was made even a few years later, you would have people like winking at the camera and like, you know, saying like, oh, I guess we're car racing now or something, you know, like like putting hats on hats as you know to what, what they're it doing is? and that sort of thing. It's the Joss Whedonification well, of script writing. It, it sure is. I mean, in many, many ways, in many ways. But it's just so fascinating to go back to a time when you could make a film like this and not have to, like, lampshade every ridiculous thing that they were doing. Yeah. Like, they just did it. They weren't being cute about it. They just did it. And there's yes. something that was strangely charming about that. Yeah. And this, this is what I mean, going back to the whole, like, that movie of, like, you know, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Three Musketeers, they were fun films with light deft comic touches at times but they weren't like eye rolling and you know like even the Taron Egerton Robin Hood is trying to be trying to be genuine but so full of like well that's just I mean that's a badly made movie yeah true it's not a good thing to compare against but yeah, it's it's almost a, a sort of an honesty that maybe maybe in our post September 11 world we can't do anymore that genuine maybe you know we or in our as I say the Joss Whedonification everyone's on the internet everyone's got quips and wits and bon mots and put downs and zingers and poppers and toppers and uh, <laughs> I'll be interested to see zesty one liners. I'll be interested to see as we go forward. Like I mean, I, I know that the series loses some of that innocence as it goes forward it definitely starts winking a little more at the audience but i think it's weirdly one of the only film series that that sort of has held on to at least that spirit and i'll, I'll be interested to see if it's sort of how much it hangs on to it as we get into some of the more ridiculous entries in the <laughs> franchise well just to finish my minute challenge because yes. it is quite near the end of my minute challenge um i mentioned the dvd vhs players which we've already yes. discussed at one point brian who's the undercover cop uh, yes. I, sh- yeah. I should, I guess we sort of mentioned it was point break, but yeah, Brian is an undercover cop who's gone in to infiltrate the devilish.
English car racing gang robbing responsible, respectable truck drivers of their DVD and video camera (laughs) and VHS (laughs) payloads. Meanwhile, he's got to break the undercover racing scene to get close to Dom. And there's definitely a chemistry between them, the two of them. They get on very well on screen together, I think. Oh, yeah. They they have better chemistry than, than Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster have. Well, yes. I didn't actually mention anything about her. I mentioned Michelle Rodriguez, but she, yeah. she seems a little bit more spunky and interesting as yeah. like the sister of the main character. Mm. She at least seems to have some character a bit. She's She seems a bit more interesting. But, no, definitely Dom and Brian have better chemistry. And there's, always, there's a lovely sense of that, oh, is he going to – chuck in the police and go, uh, the, the cop even asked him at one point, are you going native? Are you going native? And so I was like, I really didn't know how it would turn out with him because of his, you know, desire to be a good cop and get promoted mm. and um, but then his desire to kind of protect the gang and not wanting to believe that it was Dom doing the, the bad stuff. So they never really kind of tried to explain away why Dom was doing it apart from needing money or they didn't like they were the bad guys but they were charismatic enough or Dom was charismatic enough that you're like yeah no fair I would I would get why the cop would want to ditch his life as a cop and go join an illegal (laughs) street racing crew with a bunch of 24 year olds but also what I find fascinating is that we come into this knowing knowing full well I mean like every single description of the plot just says undercover cop Paul Walker infiltrates a street racing gang led by Vin Diesel who are carrying out robberies right but you didn't know to begin with well that's right exactly like in the movie, we only find out that Brian is a cop like 20 minutes in. It's a good ball, like, like half an hour to 35 yeah, minutes, like, I like it's, a, it's a lengthy stretch before we get like what is obviously meant as a twist. It's a good reveal. Yeah, it's like, hey, he's a cop and he's like infiltrating these street racing gangs. The movie is genuinely trying to make you question, wait a minute, is Dom and his friends like this street racing gang? You know, are, are they these these car thieves? It's like, yes, obviously they are. Like, obviously they are going to be revealed as the as the car thieves. Like, what are we what are we doing here? But he <laughs> actually plays coy with it for a while. Part of me kind of wanted Dom to not be the car thief guy. I was like, he is really nice. Maybe he's just, you know. <laughs> well, the film franchise will twist itself in knots over the next few installments trying to figure out whether being a car thief means you can still be a hero. Like I don't like, like there's a very weird relationship in this movie with law enforcement and outlaws. Okay. Really? It really ties itself in knots. Trying to make everyone the good guy. I look forward to it. Oh, it's very, it's very fun. It's that whole thing of like, if your family is hungry, is it morally wrong to steal a loaf of bread? Exactly that sort of, that sort of stuff. Yes, exactly When you need 2G large or too large, 2G large, too large, and when you need too large to join an illegal street race in the desert, (laughs) is it morally wrong to steal DVD players to get that money? (laughs) You know, you ethically need to support your crew by winning street races and you need money to be in those street races. So you need to steal DVD players. But there's also, I mean, the thing is like, you know, from, from what we see of what Dom and his and his crew have set up. Not only does he have like a working garage, but he's got like a, a thriving like local bodega. Like it's he's pretty set up. Like it's weird that he would yeah, be like, oh, not- and also I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be like I'm gonna fence DVD players. <laughs> it's not it's not 10, 10 G under the hood money. Sure, yeah, you, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta fund your cars exactly. Inflation wasn't that bad in the late nineties, early two thousands. This was pre mega world changing seismic global events happening. Yes. I just wanted to talk uh, two more things about the, um, first of all, the car chase where it is revealed 
that he's they're the bad guys. Um, yeah. They seem to take off at nighttime, but then they're doing the chase sequence in the day. So I assume that was sort of night into dawn. Brian straight up just tells what's her name, sister. Uh, uh, Mia. Mia. Mia, sorry. Flat out tells her, I'm a cop. You need to tell me now where they're going, that sort of thing. I was weirded out as to, like, his motivation. Like, I mean, he could have just asked her. <laughs> like, it- I guess he needed force. Also, it needed to come out so that she knew, so that was well, exactly, potential yeah. tension with Dom, I guess. I loved the reveal with the Vince guy when he called in the cops for a life flight and Dom's there and he was like, it's Officer Brian O'Connor because he'd been, they thought he might have been a cop earlier in the movie and he manages to get out of that and then he has to admit, yeah, I am the cop. It's just a lovely moment of like Vin Diesel being not into it and uh, him just doing his job to get the ambulance there and, yeah, yeah, I thought that was really, really well done. What I did question about the whole stunt driving sequence, which I get, it's a stunt sequence, I liked the way that they set up that truck drive were arming so that anyone who yeah, that was does, sick of being ripped off by these assholes so they're like okay we're gonna we're gonna have shotguns and it's america one assumes yeah. the fact that they had shot had to go get shotguns see i would have thought that most truck drivers probably already would have been traveling with shotguns what i loved is that the, the truck driver i just put myself in the truck driver's position so you're speeding along yes you don't slow down You don't sort of call for help. You don't pull over and barricade yourself and protect yourself and go, okay, take the thing, but don't attack me or... And you're literally shooting and he's aiming at people. So he's driving at speed, yeah. what looks like at least at the speed limit, if not a bit over, shooting out of his window. <laughs> yes, yeah. I guess that's already been broken. And shooting at people to injure them, striking several. Like the Vince guy has got shot in his side. Yeah. He's, he's literally going, yeah, I'm just going to kill some people. I'm just going to kill them. And it's like, he's just, it just, it boggled my mind that he didn't think to like pull over and go, hey guys, get out of my way or move on or leave me alone. No, no, no. I just got to keep driving, shooting while I drive. <laughs> it makes perfect sense, Natalie. I was just going, that is, that is crazy. Like, yeah. wouldn't you, wouldn't you stop or wouldn't you, you know, the fact that he's just loading and then he's even reloading cartridges into his shotgun while driving. Yes. Yeah, yeah. At speed. Well, like, and, and at that, truck that, truck point, truck at that point, just... they had that, It was very obvious at that point that they were they were like trying desperately to like leave, right? And he's like, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm I'm gonna kill someone. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like just stop, and they'll keep going, or or you know, it's. I mean, I suppose maybe he thought that they might be armed too, but. Uh... I don't know. I just sort of had this image in my head of I wonder what that scene would have been like from the truck because you never saw him because obviously he's just a stuntman, you know, driving the truck and then they cut in the shots of the yeah. bullets, you know, later. But I just thought what, a, what an odd series of thoughts that must have been going through that guy's mind. It's like, well, I better just keep going. I'm a trucker and I got to get to my destination. That's how trucking works. I mean, like, again, I, I think they very deliberately kept that guy faceless because it, it introduces a very murky sort of moral gray area yeah. movie because I mean at the end of the day he's being robbed like you know he's these criminals are trying to rob the like the, the payload that he's delivering and like he's defending himself from people he fully assumes are armed and gonna and are gonna try and like hurt him and <laughs> kill him what I'm saying to you Stu is that he's carrying loads of DVD players I know I know again this all of a- this <laughs> is over like DVD players this is an armor guard full no, of you know no, it's, it's a full of gold, gold. bullion like, yeah he's yeah exactly he's not <laughs> he's not shipping he's not shipping silver like he's <laughs> he's got I, DVD I gotta get my tips <laughs> I gotta get my tips ain't no one taking my DVD players 
like, dude, what's your life worth? Um, <sighs> so that that just made me giggle. And then finally, yeah. the um the ending where. So there's like the kid Jesse who goes off with the car even though he loses to, for some yeah. reason, he decides to race bad guy from Die Another Day because his dad, it was his dad's car and he's going to race it and something, something. And Dom's going off to look for him but then he pulls up. Bad guy from Die Another Day rolls past on his motorbike, guns them down in the street. Guns them down in the street. And in, in Dom, a, um, frankly, what feels like an escalation to me, but anyway. that's, that's <laughs> Like at this point, you're still talking about, hey, you owe me your car because I beat you in a race. Yeah, and, and then these guys are like, no, no, we we have Uzis, like yeah. like and, like 80s, like an 80s action movie. And it's like he has, okay, yes, he's gone off with the car. Maybe give him a day or two. Like, do you have to like go into murder mode immediately? <laughs> For the like, purposes the of this movie, yes. The guy's clearly upset. Like he's just lost his dad's car. Give him a minute, and we'll sort something out. Anyway, so Dom's there and he's got his dad's car, which he's never actually raced because, you know, he's scared or something. And Brian's there in his car, which is a done-up uh, old car. The thing I've got to ask you is this movie seems to take place over the course of maybe a week. <laughs> <laughs> like it, fe- it is definitely not that long. And he gets, he gets the car, it pulls up, it is wasted. It's a trash heap. It's rusted and he gets this car to give to Dom and it's a rust bucket and he says, I wanted a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. (laughs) And he said, ah, but check what's under the hood and it's some fancy engine and they're all really excited. And then like three scenes later, it's done and it's this beautiful orange machine. Well, they had a montage, Natalie. Did they? (laughs) I mean, at one one point, you you do see them... You do see them uh, working on the car. I just feel like that took really a, not a lot of time to do yeah. that much work to a sure? shitty of a car. <laughs> like within a week, it's racing high speeds down highways, chasing after mad truck drivers with shotguns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so they line up to do a quarter mile looking at each other. I, I forgot to mention the quarter mile thing. I figured since you oh, had said that no, to don't me. Don't worry. I, I will mention it. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> So they line up to do a quarter mile and they race and they are racing against an oncoming train and they manage to both get across before the train hits them. Yep. And I feel like maybe the first car could have, but surely it would have hit the second car because it would have been moving. Anyway, would have missed it's the fine. first car, collected the second. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They both get through. I, I honestly thought for part of it, because I was talking about how I didn't know whether they were going to, you know, was Brian going to become bad or whatever. I thought for a moment it was like going to be a Thelma and Louise style <laughs> Like we're both, just both playing chicken with this train and if we get caught, and we just go like, like boom. Out, yeah. And obviously I know it becomes a franchise, so they're not going to kill them off at the end of the movie. Um, but, yes, yeah, so then he uh, and then he hands over his, his keys and says, I owe you a 10-second car after Dom crashes his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he just walks off screen and the movie ends. Yeah, I mean, because Brian – so Brian wins that race, which which is like brings everything full circle. Did he win know? it? Yeah, I mean, like, like that, that's the point. Like, like he just edges ahead of, of, of Dom. Does he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't really notice. I thought they went across at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole point was that like I, I mean, I guess I mean you you could you could charitably say it ends in draw, but I but I yeah. feel like thematically like you have to sort of go, I, I think Brian won that 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 race. Like just, I got to, the just sense, to tie it all together. I got the sense that he won Dom's respect. Well, exactly. Yes. And then Dom the was so busy respecting him. And then, that he didn't yeah, because they're, they're making goo goo eyes at each other <laughs> while still traveling at like 100k an hour. I love and, that. 
and I, then I, and then just randomly like Dom writes off his car. I love that it's supposed to be a quarter mile that you know, like his dad did a quarter mile in nine point seven seconds or something. But the entire sequence takes way longer than nine seconds because of course it does because on film you can't just go. Meow. You have to build yes, up it has back to be and forth and tension and back and forth. So we're kind of watching this nine second race pan out <laughs> over the course of thirty seconds. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they've done their, you know, sub 10 second race, both kind of looking at each other, grudging respect. He's fallen over or been hit by a truck and uh, Brian's he, gone, yeah, He wipes okay. out in a way that should have killed him. Like he's he's visibly hurt, but he sort of just sort of grunts and, and, you know, cracks a few bones and is like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm good. Like we're all good. Amazing. So, the first time that happened in this franchise, but not the last. Not the last. People are going to get out of close calls a lot. People are, people are going to get out of... Flaming car wrecks that they should have died in, Natalie. <laughs> well, that's my minute challenge, Stu. Over Fantastic. to you. Okay. So the, my first my first uh, thing that I wrote down was this movie is bananas. <laughs> just, in, just in a wonderful way. Although, as I as I said, like it's it feels weirdly subdued. Like like in terms of a car racing action movie from from two thousand and one, uh, it just feels very quaint in many ways. It's it's strange. It's strange to sort of look back on. Next item on my list was uh, Young Vin. This is sort of earlier in Vin Diesel's career. We haven't talked a lot about a lot about Vin Diesel. He had sort of um, been in a few things. Like he'd sort of. I have an image in my head of Vin Diesel, and it's this. But in my mind, he still looks like this. Yes, although I mean, like if you see him now, he's a lot more inflated. If that makes sense. <laughs> Um, you know, because he'd, he'd been in things like I mean, he'd, he'd voiced the Iron Giant. He'd been in Saving Private Ryan. He'd been in Pitch Black, like like so. He'd been Riddick in in Pitch Black. That that came out the year before. So so he was on the upward slope, and he goes from here to Triple X. Now I wanted to talk about this. Yes, because I remember Triple X, and I I can't remember if I saw it at the movies. But it was more, you know, James Bondy sort of thing. So I'm not sure if it I was saw like it. hardcore, like not your dad's James Bond. Yeah, but thing. I can't remember if I saw it in the films. I know I saw it the first one. I'm not sure if I saw the second one. But of all the things, early 2000s Vin Diesel, you would have thought that the Triple X would become the franchise. Yes, exactly. Because it's the spy movie well, where this you is can, the, where we, you can we, do yeah. ridiculous stunts and stuff like that instead of the car movie about yes. DVD players. About about like low stakes local street racing gangs who who steal DVD players. Yeah. That's the funny thing about this is that he tried to distance himself from the Fast and the Furious franchise for a while, right? Because he he obviously thought, well I've got this and I've got Riddick. So he's got he's got like the action spy movie franchise and he's got like the sci-fi sort of franchise that he was sort of building because on on top of Pitch Black he then comes across with um, the Chronicles of Riddick. Um, so they sort of made him a main character, but that wasn't that was that was made in Australia, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was filmed down here, but um, it didn't do very well, and Triple X didn't do very well. Triple X is famously derided as a as a ridiculous movie, and it is. It's very bad. Wait, so hang on. Vin Diesel was the actual Iron Giant in the Iron Giant. Yes, he voiced the Iron Giant. Yes, I, I just heard you say he was. In the Iron Giant. I didn't realize he was the Iron Giant. He was the voice of the Iron Giant, quite famous, quite famous. Oh my, how did I not know that? Oh my goodness. That's such a good movie. It's, yeah. it's And he's he's sort of he's sort of come full circle on that because of course he's the he's voice of Groot. Groot, yes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's just good at these sort of very monosyllabic sort of characters. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, so so he he actually sort of tr- 
stayed away from the franchise for a while. He doesn't come back for too, for too fast, too furious. Right. Um. So it's just Brian in that one. Um. Oh. With some with some new characters. Oh. Um. So we'll we'll get to that next time. But but yeah, like Vin Diesel very much sort of said, no, thank you. I'm not coming back. Like I I did like like you know at the end of this movie, I'm either like supposed to be dead or possibly just living my life down in Mexico. So I'm I'm done. Like like you know, there's no reason for me to come back. Ah. Uh, so yeah, he doesn't come back then. He he makes yeah. I, I won't I won't spoil anything, but but like he doesn't come back then until basically number four. Okay. Um. So fast and Fu- fast and furious, which is the fourth installment. The the, the naming of these movies, <laughs> Natalie, gets ridiculous. Um. I know because I I think I was googling like fast and furious, and I kept getting another movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The fast and the furious. Which is itself taken from a um another movie, like a Roger Corman movie from the fifties or something, like about yeah they they, they had to, they had to specially licensed the the title, which is also yeah. about like car racing, but it, it's sort of a different you know has nothing to do with this franchise yeah. But they like the thing because the the initial title was going to be Red Line, which oh because they have a red line that they drive across in the drag race. Well, and also like when when you redline a car, it means like you you you're pushing it like right to the limit. Oh. Um, but yeah, like. Like just a very a very generic title. So I mean, the Fast and the Furious is definitely a, a more interesting title, I guess. I mean, who does it apply to in this movie? <laughs> who's who's the Fast and who's the Furious? Like, is this the good, the bad, and the ugly situation, or all, is it more sort of meta- metaphorical? They're all the Fast and the Furious. They're all fast and they're all furious. Mm. Um, mm. The next item on my list was "I live my life a quarter mile at a time." <laughs> Famous speech. Famous uh, speech, great stuff. Um, you know what, Vin, Vin Diesel. I mean, especially acting opposite Paul Walker is not bad in this movie. He's bringing yeah, it. He was you perfectly know? serviceable. Like, yeah, yeah. no, you know, I I got him. He he kind of he looked like he might smack you or give you a pat on the back. He I think he he walked a really you know decent line of you know thug and gentleman thief. Yes, exactly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but um. Yeah, no, that, that speech, I mean, obviously, it gets replaced at a certain point with the concept of family, and specifically the word family, uh, said <laughs> by Vin Diesel. Um, but but for a while, but, but basically, <laughs> as the animating sort of theme of the movie, like the idea of living your life a quarter mile at a time, is sort of, it, it's it's both vaguely profound, but also deeply, deeply stupid, which I think is... <laughs> A key to Vin Diesel's character in this movie and also this movie in general. And the franchise in general? And, and the franchise, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It definitely sounds like the kind of thing that a 16-year-old dude yeah. going for a ride with his 20-year-old cousin who had a car mm-hmm. and was out of school and, like, had a bit of money and you went surfing with him and he'd be like, hey, dude, you know, you just got to live life a quarter mile at, the, at a time. And the 16-year-old do it My cousin has, like, the coolest shit. Like, he has it sorted. He knows. He knows things. what's going he's on. wise. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, I think it's supposed to mean be in the moment, but he's also specifically tying it to the 10 seconds he's driving a car when he's not thinking about anything else, just yes. going real fast. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's, confused. <laughs> it's a confused metaphor at best. I mean, in my life, that would be, I live my life, you know, one bag of Maltesers at a time. Because <laughs> in that 10 seconds, I'm free. In, that, in, the, in the 10 seconds it takes you to plow through that bag. 
<laughs> I'm right there with you, Natalie. I know exactly what you mean. I live my life one large KFC extra salted chips box at a time. <laughs> Gonna mainline those suckers. So, is that the end of your list, or? Um, no, no, I, I oh, have more. Sorry. I have more. Not too much more, but I just, I just wrote. Uh, Paul Walker is a plank of wood in this movie. He, um, he really is. He really is. What a pretty um, one. He's a, he's I, a I, gorgeous, a gorgeous, a gorgeous plank of of beautifully oiled. Yeah. Wonderfully finished. And uh, I do love that he has that kind brain. of. I love that he has that whole like I'm honorable. Like when the girl, he's like, "You've just been attracted to the sister, and you're just thinking wrong because of like some chick." And he's like, "Oh, I'll come get you. Oh, I'm gonna show my <laughs> anger because I'm gonna de- defend a woman." Ooh. Yeah, it, it, it's it's so confused about who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, and 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 what anyone's motivation is. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, I wrote down Race Wars, the name of the desert. The name of oh the my desert. god! Did, did you realize? Did you clock that? Like, no. The name, the name of the desert, like race, is called Race Wars, which I'm sure someone thought was hilarious when they wrote it in 2001. <laughs> oh no, no, no! They wrote this movie in the late 90s. In the late 90s, thinking, yeah, yeah, exactly. They yeah. filmed it in 2000. Yeah. Like apparently Paul Walker and Vin Diesel went to actual street racing, you know, to learn about their characters. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, but to, it made perfect sense in the film. For some reason I just didn't clock it as like, oh, yeah, like Charles Manson style race wars. Yeah. They, Maybe they that's why it. they did it because that's what Charles Manson was planning. In the, we've got to go to the desert to escape the race wars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were racing in a warring style. It's I mean, I mean, look, it was, it was an accurate description of what was occurring. I don't know why I'm reading more into it. And there were, you know, people with all different ethnic backgrounds racing. Sure, absolutely. You know, you can't say that this film wasn't diverse. I mean, I mean, famously, no. And weirdly, like, it only gets more diverse as the, like, like it's, it's one of the few action franchises that has mostly, like, people of colour in the main roles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brian is basically the only white guy. And he's as mercilessly mocked as such, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, all the, the you know, and what I love is it's got that, like, whole cross-section of subcultures, you know, LA subcultures, you've got mm. your Hispanic crew, your African-American crew, you've got your more um, Italian, I guess that's what the Toretto's are sort of supposed to be. Yeah, I guess they're basically supposed to be Italian, although it's it's extremely ambiguous what, Vin, what race Vin Diesel is supposed to be in these movies. But anyway, that's... Yeah, but apparently he himself is quite ambiguous. Like he doesn't know who his dad was or something. So Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I guess it's like, well... Everyone's uh look at that blue-eyed white guy over there. He's very definitely <laughs> white. We can all agree that guy's we, white. We can all agree Paul Walker is a white man. Yeah, but even on the cop side too, you've got like I think the head of the FBI was a black guy, so it's like real. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good mixed bag. Like you're still dealing more with people who are street racers versus cops whereas versus people's races and stuff, actual races. No, like totally, exactly. I just thought it was funny that the, the race is called Race Wars. That's Yeah, it's a really good point that I did not pick um, up on. <laughs> it is bananas to me. And I it will like come I back. Up on that. Don't, don't worry, Natalie. We will see Race Wars again. I, I, I mentioned uh, that, that 2001 soundtrack. Um, there's one point we transition directly from a Limp Bizkit, like, Rollin' 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 yes. song to, like, a completely different song. And they're just like, we're just trying to get through all the contractually obligated like songs <laughs> we have to get into this movie 
Yeah, it's it's there's there's more probably song lyrics than lines of dialogue in the film. It's, it's insane. It's insane yeah. the needle drops they do in this movie. And the and the, the the race wars one is all like this techno, like this late nineties, yeah. early two thousands yeah, yeah, yeah. techno. It, it feels weirdly mm, throwback. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's very that's, very techno. That's, that's why I called it a playlist with tits because it's just so many like girls in short skirts and <laughs> but in but in in that kind of oddly wholesome. Yes, exactly. You yeah. know. Street fashion kind of thing, like, hey, we're all sexy girls who want to look at cars and dudes yeah. who drive them, um, which is why it was cool that Vin Diesel's girlfriend was a driver of a car as well, because at least there was one. Um, but, <laughs> well, and, and like, also Mia, our personality we, we see that, we see that Mia can, can drive as well. Well, yes, that is true. You get to see it. Well, I assumed being Dom Toretto's sister. Dom Toretto's sister, yes, drive. exactly. And then the, the last thing on my list was just uh, – uh, the, the the NOS warp drive, um, yes, which I which I love. Like, like when when you hit that NOS button, like it, it's like the Enterprise going to warp. Yes. Like it's just, you know. <laughs> well, in that first one where you see like Paul Walker's car, just like like rivets coming out of the yeah. the metal plating of the car, just like boom boom boom. Um, I can't give you any more. Exactly, uh, but then the car <laughs> still sort of works afterwards. Like he's still able to run it a bit. I mean, it kind of, it kind of does. To escape, to you know, Vin Diesel to escape from the cops. I thought that was. I did say. I did. I was saying to myself, "There's this massive gathering uh, for a street race," and I was like, "How are there no cops on this? How is no cops around?" <laughs> and then they actually have someone going, "Yep, we've started some distraction in this other suburb, so all the cops are over there. So start the race." And then they hear about the race, which obviously Brian's set up somehow with all the cops. So. They could, he could endear himself to Vin Diesel or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it is like it was a good reveal of Brian as the cop. Like I will, I think I sort of knew that he was the undercover cop, but I was quite. Well, that, that's I the did, thing. I like, you question go in knowing that he's the cop. Like it's just it's I, so weird. Like I don't know if they would have said that at the time, like a street racing gang or something like that. They could have done it without revealing because it was quite a good, because for a while I was going, hang on, is he actually a racer? I thought he was a cop who was going to infiltrate. Like, oh, no, they start with him mid-infiltration. Like he's, he's, yeah. you know, I need the car and I need it tonight. I need the nitrogen. I need it tonight. And it's like, oh, okay, he's about to get his fun. I thought it was well-structured from that point of view. I mean, it's a simple thing, but you'd be surprised how many people don't do it. Yeah, I mean, like the the, the movie just feels weird to me because, like, they they start with Paul Walker – like infiltrating this group and obviously the 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 choice that they're setting up is well are you going to go native and you know have you have you fallen in love with mia fallen in love with dom um you know like, like fallen in love with like this whole crew and you're going to side with them over the cops and they never really force him to make a choice no do you know what i mean like, like he never really has to make a choice like like he, his hand is forced he reveals that he's a police officer, and there's not really any ramifications of that specifically. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like his, his relationship with Vin, like they have that final street race, but the the upshot is he's like, well, off you go, you scamp. Yeah, you know, like it's like get out of here. Like, what, are we, what are we doing? And then, like, we never see like what happens afterwards because the movie finishes. Yeah. Hard cut, done. Like yeah. you've had, you guys have had enough, right? We're done. Back into Limp Biscuit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's it's a very strange. Like there's no there's no arc for him. Do you know do you know what I mean? Like he go like like I feel like there there should have been more done to support that whole journey. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, like and I, I realize that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is sexy girls and fast cars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it feels like that they did they did the very bare minimum, and they should have done a little bit more. Now, did you ever see the Gone in sixty seconds movie? Yes, I did. Yes, I never saw that one either. Probably for similar reasons. Um, but it's Nicolas Cage and Angelina Jolie stealing as, cars as car thieves. Yep, absolutely. That's probably similar time frame, or maybe a I bit think, earlier. Yeah, yeah, probably a little bit. I think it came out in the late nineties. Let me double check. Probably it was when Nick Cage was kind of cool. Gone in sixty seconds came out the year before. Wow! So it was it was very much in the zeitgeist. The, these car movies, these these a bit of the a bit of a deep impact Armageddon sort of. Yes, yes, exactly. You know. Zeke Geisty double feature thing. How, how does it compare? Like, what's it like as a car I movie? Haven't, I haven't gone back to revisit that movie for literally decades at this point. Oh. Um, I definitely saw it a few times in the early 2000s, and I have not gone back since. I remember liking it at the time, but I also remember that it was a very silly action movie, basically. so mm. Surprising it didn't start a multi-billion dollar franchise. <laughs> well, that's I'm- the thing. There's just something, there's something about... This movie, like, like, even though I can recognize that it is a very silly movie and not particularly well made, and like the the, stu- the stunts are pretty cool. Like a lot of a lot of the car stunts are very cool, and and almost all of them are practical because I don't think they did any sort of computer enhancement, which they will definitely do in some of the in some of the future uh, movies. But back in the day, you couldn't really like CG wasn't really at the point where you could like do a whole street race in a computer. So they they had to get those cars out there, and so there's a lot of really cool stunt driving that you actually see in a lot of this. In yeah. a lot of these shots. Well, that's the thing. How did you feel about the the stunt driving and stuff? Like my yeah, favorite I mean, was probably when the cars zipped under the trucks. Yeah, we, which they which so I'm pretty low. sure they they had to do. Like they had to drive the car under the truck, and I'm yeah. I'm told it's not super hard as long as the truck goes at a at a steady speed. But it's still it's still impressive to look at, and a lot a lot of a lot of stuff of you know people hanging off the sides of the truck and all that sort of thing. Like, it's like there's some cool there's some cool stunts. I just read that the guy who directed this film also directed Triple X. So yes, yes. So, so he he sort of Rob took Cohen. Vin Diesel and, and directed Triple X, and, and uh, Rob Cohen is apparently not a very nice man. Uh, so less less said about that, the better. But uh, really? yes. oh, he's not a he's not a, he, a me too kind of. Well, no, no, he's he's one of those people who has a whole section on his Wikipedia page about the various allegations that have been made against him. I see. Um, okay. So yes, so he is that sort of person. So less said about him, the better. But ha- having said that, I think this the, he was the only one of these. This is this is the only one that he um, directed. Because um, I was going to say, like, do these guys who con- you know conceived the the film, you know, still get kickbacks from you know? Because if it, if it wasn't for this, you wouldn't have a franchise as mediocre or whatever as you think this film might be. It still spawns something. Who gets the you know who wets their beak? I think. It, it, it's it's credited, it credited as being created to Gary Scott Thompson, who sort of wrote the came up with the idea for this for this movie and wrote several drafts of the script. And there there were there were people on top of of him who sort of came over and did like rewrites and stuff. But his basic idea uh, sort of spawned everything. So I'm pretty sure he's the one who gets the royalty money. <laughs> Uh, It'd be interesting. It's a good question, actually. We should we should look into that. Who's who's getting the six billion dollars? Because, like, you know, again, this franchise is like a multi billion dollar franchise. It's a monster. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's currently Universal's easily its most successful property. Like, like this is the the jewel in the crown of Universal's you know stable of films properties. Because it sounds like it kind of expands to encompass really anything they want, like spies. 
cops action. Yes, and war. it goes that they have Muggling. a few false starts. It's it's really interesting these next couple of movies. So we obviously we watched the first one. There's the the next two, which is Too Fast, Too Furious, and then Tokyo Drift. Um, Tokyo it's a bit Drift. Tokyo Drift. What I love is that Tokyo Drift is now you can kind of put that at the end of any. Yes, you know, exactly. Well, well, I mean, thing. Too Fast, Too Furious like, was itself. Nat, Nat and Stu do a podcast. Tokyo Drift. Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> but then, but then, like Too Fast, Too Furious is itself like a like a sequel um, cliche. You know, like, like like people will reference that. You know, oh, like Pride and Prejudice to you know, Too Pride, Too Prejudice. Pride, Too Prejudice, exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Like, like it's become like cultural shorthand. That, that's how much this this franchise has sort of got its tentacles out there. Well, that's what I'm hoping to discover as we go through all of this is some of the memes or the the, the cultural jokes or something that I maybe have missed out on by not being attuned to uh, <laughs> the, the fine work of Vin Diesel and company. Oh, yes. Well, have we got anything else to talk about this this one? I was just looking at uh, the Wikipedia page to see Money. It definitely did very well, this film. From what I can tell, I think it was a budget of about $38 million. What does it say? Oh, yeah, here we go. Wikipedia says a budget of $38 million, box office $207.3 mm-hmm. It was a big hit. It was it was critically extremely mixed but but a massive hit. Yeah, because, you know, got a lot of rev heads out there. You've totally. got to go watch a... People like watching car movies. And and also you've got what you want in a car movie hero is a complicated... He's not a good guy. Like, well, I guess you've, yes. got, yeah. you've got the light and shade, don't you? You've got the sort of wooden plank, good cop, <laughs> undercover dude, but then you've got the, like, morally ambiguous but charismatic crew leader, you know, yeah. so... It was released at the box office around the same time as Dr. Doolittle 2, <laughs> Lara Croft Tomb Raider, and Atlantis the Lost Empire. Yeah, so not a lot of um not a lot of competition at the box office. The film became one of the four consecutive Universal films of 2001 to gross 40 million in their opening weekends, the others being Jurassic Park 3, mm-hmm. which I saw, which was, you know, I never saw Jurassic Park 2, but I saw Jurassic Park 3 because Sam Neill was back. American yes. Pie 2. I don't think I saw American Pie 2, at least not at the cinemas. And The Mummy Returns. The Mummy Returns. I That's definitely saw because that was The Rock as the Scorpion King for five minutes at the top. <laughs> uh, yes. So that's a – the DVD release sold 2.1 million copies during its first day of release, making it the second highest single-day DVD sales of any film behind Pearl Harbor. Yes, absolutely. Don't forget, Ooh, Natalie, 2001 was a – Ooh. Yeah, and Pearl Harbor came out this year as well. But don't forget that that this year also saw the start of two other franchises that you might be familiar with. Oh, uh, namely, um, the Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring came out in two thousand and one in December. Oh my god! And Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone also came out uh, this year. Shit, yes. Um, oh so my this god. was so you know that they were obviously the big franchise movies that were sort of coming out. To, to, well, uh, you knew uh, those were going to be franchises. Exactly. Like, like they started out with a plan. They were going to be big franchises. I mean, it's just funny that like they, they started in 2001 and this unassuming little movie, you know, that would go on to become one of the biggest film franchises yeah. in the world also came out in 2001. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. My God. How do you're a Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, you're in the fan club. You've got the merch. It's um, fair to say, yes. It's fair to say. How does it hold up? I haven't gone back to watch it. Well, the movies, they're great. They still, in terms of yeah, special they're, they're effects, pheno- they're and- phenomenal. Like the, the special effects, weirdly, um, 
because of all the practical stuff they did definitely hold up. Yeah. Uh, even, even in H, even in high def. Because that's um, the thing about Jurassic Park. Like I still find the first Jurassic Park holds up really well. Yeah. Yeah. Even though you can start to see, oh, okay, I'm a, I can see a bit clearer now how that's been painted on, or that's been, you know, green screened on, or something. Sure, but but they but they use it sparingly, and yeah. they use it, and they they plan for it. You know, what I mean, it's not just, oh, we'll do everything in the computer. It's like yeah, no, no, they, a, they had to they had to plan this stuff out meticulously in advance. And there's enough puppetry and stuff that to really give you those physical frights. Yes. Um, yeah. Whereas something like that Robin Hood film, where it looked like the whole thing was a painting, you know, or a, a Minecraft set or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just loses something. Where I thought the first, and so the Lord of the Rings, I was just wondering how they held up because you know we're twenty years on now from the Return of the King. I'm sorry to tell you that's due. <laughs> I'm well aware of that fact, Natalie, and it's uh, <laughs> pains me every time I think about it. Oh. Yes, that is, that is a true fact. It's good to know that they hold up. They, they do. They definitely do. I I, yeah. I I would highly recommend if you if you like them uh, at the time and you and you haven't watched them for a few years, um, check them out. They're, they're they're really really good. Yeah, Die Another Day also holds up, uh, particularly some of the special <laughs> effects. Uh, there's a particular ice uh, surf kite surfing scene that really really yeah, stands out as uh, a fabulous mm-hmm. fabulous moment in the franchise. Well, Stu, we should wrap up. Oh, I guess we're going to start ranking these films as well, aren't we? Well, yes, exactly, but but yeah, we'll, we'll right now. Uh, right now, we have number one one, one film, and it, it it sits sits on its own. <laughs> the best Fast and the Furious movie ever made. The best Fast and the Furious movie that we've currently covered on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, just before we wrap up, is there anything else you're watching, enjoying, loving? Um, um, I just, I literally just before we um, started recording the podcast, I watched uh, episode three of The Last of Us. Oh yes. Now, um, what's this? What's this all about? Oh, it's it's a fantastic uh, show about um, uh, it's based on the video game of the same name. Uh, it's a zombie apocalypse sort of thing where yeah. instead of like a rage virus or something, it's um, uh, a fungus. So a fungus takes over the world and and a like fungus it, among us. Yeah, fungus among us. Mm. Um, and uh, I saw you wrote an article about fungus. I, I parlayed this into an article that I that I wrote. I, I turned my nerdery into into um, content as always. Oh, that's so good. So yeah, no, but um great, great show. Really, really fantastic. Three uh, episodes in and you're three, declaring it. Three episodes in and it's wonderful. Um th- this most recent episode was astonishingly good. Like really, really unexpectedly great. And the first two episodes were no slouches either. So um, if you like that sort of thing, it's not it's not quite as relentlessly grim as uh, something like The Walking Dead, um, which could get very um, hardcore at, at times. I, um, yeah, I dropped out of The Walking Dead. I think about midway through series four, I just yeah. lost. Yeah, at some, at some point, just just the general parade of human misery. Um, I just didn't realize hard, hard to take how long it had gone on for. Yeah. I'd sort of, and it was like, and it finished in 2018 or 19. I was like, really? It went for that long? Goodness me. Um, So maybe I'll give it a go. I, I, we should have done a podcast about it given it's a weekly. It's so rare to get weeklies. What I'm loving right now. And uh, there's, there's another, there's only two episodes left. One of which just dropped today as we record. And so there's one more next week is happy Valley. I, 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 Thought you would be into Happy Valley, yes. Happy Valley is the bomb. Have you yeah, watched it? I, I, have, I have not. It's on my list. I'm, I'm going to get to it. You know what? Because um, it's a British thing, it's like it's really good because there's, well, this is the third series. It's about to end and that's it. So three series of six episodes each. Oh, right, okay. It's not, a, you know, they did one in 2014, one in 2016, and then they left it 
and they've come back now and it's actually a really good thing because it's allowed one character to age up and create some new potential drama in the lives. So it's just, it it really is as good as, as everyone says. It's very convenient, like everything's connected, interconnected a bit, so it's kind of got some of those like, and this person happens to be friends with this and, oh, that's, like it's not, it's really good writing that they're able to kind of make all these connections and yet it still grips you and this sounds like I'm, I'm I don't know how to say what I'm saying. I, anyway, I wrote about it for my patrons if you're on Patreon and I yep. um, totally intended to recap it <laughs> and so I watched one episode and then went, I'll just watch the start of the second episode just to see what happens with that cliffhanger. And then, of course, I had all of a sudden watched the second episode yep. and was on to the third because I, sure. I only started watching it once three episodes had dropped and then all of a sudden I watched all of them and was like, ah. So I wrote out some notes, but I haven't quite finished them, and then I watched the fourth episode when that dropped. So my plans to kind of recap week by week have slightly failed, but that's because yes. it's so good. I just yeah. want to watch it. But, yes, it's on uh, Binge or I think maybe Britbox has uh, the first two series and I assume they will get the third, but they they might be getting Mm. it a bit after it all airs. But, um, yeah, it's on Binge if you have Binge. It's just top stuff. And James Norton, he's the one I've been kind of pimping as a potential James Bond because he plays the bad guy in this and this is where I first saw him. And he's then in Grantchester as the – he was in Grantchester as the first priest of that series – and he's so delightful and wonderful and kind and funny and sweet and blonde and cherubic and everything. But in this show, he plays this just oh, skin crawling villain, like skin crawlingly evil. And he's mm. so good at it. And you just are like, oh my God, I can't look at you. You're horrible. Like he's so good looking, but so it's so clever. Just they cast this absolutely beautiful man to play this terrible villain. Yeah. So he's very charismatic, kind of draws you in, but he's so skin crawling. You're like, no, go get away from me. You're horrible. So I think he could really do like a Bond, charming, affable, hello, how are you doing? Let's <laughs> have sex. And then just steely kill some dudes. Um, anyway, that's why I'm still gunning for him for James Bond. But yes, so Happy Valley would be my recommendation right now. Very nice. And then I'll watch The Last of Us. So that's our little pop culture update. Absolutely. And with that, we need Stu and out. Well, I mean, hmm. You think about that. Well, I thank my patrons once again, patreon.com slash girlclumsy. Thank you all so much uh, for being wonderful. If you want to, to join up, you can head to that Patreon page and uh, and sign up. There's, you know, you can kind of throw in whatever you want. Helps keep all of this stuff ticking over, like website subscriptions and technical costs and other things, and also just for me to give me money to pay bills because... <sighs> life is fun. Um, if you're in Adelaide, if you listen and you're in Adelaide, I'm bringing a show to Adelaide Fringe called Speed the Movie the Play. It is excellent and funny and a super good time. And um, even if you have friends or family in Adelaide, I would love you to uh, spread the word. You can go to actreact.com.au and um, check out the links there to Adelaide Fringe or just Google Speed the Movie the Play Adelaide. Maybe don't Google Speed Adelaide because the police might come knocking. Uh, <laughs> Could be could be tricky, but yeah, speed the movie, the play, Adelaide Fringe. Um, we'll be down there from the twenty first of Feb to the sixth of March, which means I will be attempting to um, catch up with Stu for Fast and the Furious recordings, 
while in Adelaide. Um, Facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne is the Facebook page. I'll start posting there again when we get all these up. And Twitter. How's Twitter going, Stu? It's a bin fire, as always, Natalie. Oh, you um, think? Nothing's changed, but uh, it, it's, 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 changed. Always, it's always been a garbage fire, but uh, the particular flavour of garbage that's burning uh, really? has changed. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of keeping a – I feel like I've got a, rel- a relatively good – like I have Twitter open and I just kind of skim and not absorb, if that makes sense. Yes, probably and, a good uh, thing. Yeah, I don't tend to get into any of the super bin fiery stuff, so I'd be interested to know what what scandals are happening. You can keep me posted. But uh, uh, Dan and Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast, both now off Twitter. They both seem uh, more mentally healthy for it. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I think everyone's got to make their own decisions about what they do and do interact with, and I, I don't think it's any lie that Elon Musk's treatment of Twitter has been bizarre at best. Um, and a complete unmitigated nightmare, disaster, unethical horror show at middling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think you know, have touch grass, touch grass, Stu. That's what the kids as, say, as isn't the it? Kid, as the kids say. My whole thing is is that I, I signed up for about five or six different uh, social media services in the wake of all the Twitter troubles, and I've mostly stopped using them, and now I'm back on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so that, I, says, I, that says something bad about me. It says something bad about Twitter. It says something <laughs> bad about the world. <laughs> no, I just think that Twitter was able to kind of catch a flame. Like, I, 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 no, nothing, I- nothing does what Twitter does quite like what how yeah. Twitter does it. You know what yeah. I mean? I think with the Mastodon, from what you have told me, that it seems very much like we just want to be like an internet forum from the early 2000s. So we don't yes. want to make it easy for people to join. Mastodon is very deliberately, and good on them, uh, very deliberately uh, trying not to become the next Twitter, which is yeah. fine and admirable. <laughs> which is fair, but then I realised I didn't really contribute to message boards on the internet in the early 2000s. I think I read people's live journals anonymously. That was about as much as sure. Like I never had a live journal, but I would read other people's. I never had MySpace. I had a blog, and there was a bit of a blogging sort of moment. Um, and then I joined Facebook and Twitter. So I don't really know whether Mastodon is like I don't really use Reddit. You know, I look at some stuff sometimes, but I don't. Um, I angered a lot of people on Reddit many years ago, and they've never quite forgiven me. I think so. <laughs> I'm scared of people on Reddit. Um, if you're on Reddit, call in. Let us know how it's going. You know, what's it like? <laughs> Any good? Um, how's uh, all the historical it, it, it seems to be a lot better once they got rid of all the literal Nazis and childborn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always amazed by that. Anyway, that's a topic for another show. So we, we cannot start talking about that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stu, it's been a pleasure. Thank you to everyone for listening to our first Revan on. And uh, have we come up with a have we come up with a well, look, I mean I think there's only one way that we can end these podcasts, Natalie, and that's just to, to remind everyone that family. Fa- family. What about what about family? That, that will that will become apparent. Okay. Should we say it together then on the count of three? Yeah. Okay, absolutely. One, we've, got two, to do, three. we've got to do a grizzly Vin Diesel voice, is you, that right? You've got to do it in a, in a Vin Diesel voice, okay. absolutely. One, two, three. Family. Family. <laughs> See you, everybody. Bye. Bye.